Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Welcome to Youth Sunday. Uh, our youth band, they did a great job. Let's give them a hand again. Yeah. Good job, team. Thank you. Uh, they've been practicing and nervous. And <laughs> but you know, what you're seeing uh, up here today is just a snapshot of something very special in God's kingdom. Uh, not only the youth band, but also Anne and her family uh, with her kids and her grandkids. Um, you know, all of that is a picture of Generation We. A Generation We is children and parents, uh, kids and grandkids, um, younger people, older people, you know, all working together to honor God and to make disciples. You know, last week, Van gave an important message about fathering the next generation. Van, thank you for giving that message. Let's give Van a hand. <laughs> and today's message is dedicated to all of you younger people. All of you younger people. I have a question for you if you're young. By the way, who are the young people here? Raise your hand. Okay, we have some who are young at heart. <laughs> Van, got to put your hand down. <laughs> okay, if you're 19 years old or younger, this question is for you. What do these four things have in common? Climbing Mount Everest, Braille, sailing around the world, and the Nobel Peace Prize. What do these have in common? Climbing Mount Everest, Braille, sailing around the world, and the Nobel Peace Prize? And the answer is, all of these were accomplished by teenagers. And the first one is Jordan Romero. This is him. 13-year-old Jordan of the United States holds the world record as the youngest person to climb Mount Everest. That's the tallest mountain in the world. He did that when he was 13. At 15, he has the record for climbing the seven summits, which are all the seven tallest peaks on the seven continents. And he did that when he was 15 years old, Jordan Romero. The next young person is Louis Braille. All of you know about the Braille reading system. Well, this is Louis. And by the way, Louis is blind, was blind. And he invented the Braille system of reading uh, based on a battlefield code, code a soldier gave him. Next, we have Laura Decker. Laura sailed around the world by herself at the age of 14, by herself. The two-year-long, 27,000-mile journey took her around the globe and beyond in 2010. And lastly is Malala Yousafzai. She became the youngest winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. At age 11, she fought for girls' rights to education after suffering an attack by the Taliban, she became a leading advocate for female rights. So all of this is a message to us, especially if you're a young person. With God's word and with his spirit as your guide, I want to encourage you not to let anything, not to let anyone stop you from becoming the person that God designed you to be and, for, and from fulfilling the dreams that he has put in your heart. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, you have brought us into this new kind of family, Lord, where the oneness 
the unity goes deep to the heart where your spirit resides. We thank you, Lord, that you have brought us together to be an encouragement, to build up one another, to carry each other's burdens. Lord, to live and love and laugh and work together to become all that you have designed us to be. I pray for all the young people that are here this morning and those who are listening online. And I ask, Lord, that your word would be life-giving to them and an encouragement that will find a place, a home in their heart to grow and take root and bear fruit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, our text today comes from 1 Timothy chapter 4. Verse 12 says, Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. So as we unpack this verse, I'd like us to notice the relationship between these two statements. The first statement is, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Statement number two, be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. And so what is the relationship between these two, these two statements? Well, the first one is what we're supposed to do. What are we supposed to do? Not let anyone look down on you, think less of you because you're young. And the second statement is how you do that, by being an example, by your lifestyle. So another way of saying this is don't give anyone a reason to think less of you because you're young. Instead, be an example by the way you live. Now I want you to notice the word all. Be an example to all believers. So that's not just the believers here at Life in the Sun. All believers includes the believers who see you at school, the believers who see you online, uh, the older believers who are around you, the believers that you don't know that they see you. Be an example to all believers. By, be an example by what you say and the way you live. So I want to talk about that for a moment. How do we live? How would you describe your relationships at home? Or better yet, how would someone from the outside describe the dynamics of relationships in your home? And this is where it gets really challenging, for myself included. You know, when my kids were young, uh, we had a friend, her name was Jeanette. Jeanette came to Guam, she was a nurse, she was also a missionary, and she was a part of our life group, and we worked in the church together, we did life together, she used to babysit our kids, um, really got to, she became a part of our family. And after developing a relationship, after some time of having the, I guess the appropriateness to speak into our lives, she made an observation. And she shared that with us, not in a judgmental way, but just as a concerned friend. And she said, you know, I've been around you guys for a while, and as I'm listening to your interaction in your home, I don't hear thank you and please. And I tell you, that kind of went, ouch. <laughs> and I was convicted because it was true. You know, sometimes you need somebody from the outside to be able to see it, 
Because, you know, the way we do life feels normal. Sometimes we can't see ourselves from the inside out. We need someone from the outside to be able to see it and to call it. And so when she did that, you know, I had to take a long, hard look in the mirror about who I was at home. The Bible says, be an example to all believers by how you live. And then Paul takes this phrase, the way you live, and he highlights three areas. So the first one is your love for people. You know, I was thinking about what I would say about the topic of love. That's such a huge topic. I mean, we could spend the rest of our lives learning about how to love. And because this is dedicated to the young people, I, I started thinking, okay, on a Sunday morning in a mixed audience, what would I say? Because uh, it, it's so complicated. I mean, I remember when I was a teenager, um, it was very confusing. I mean, I was just discovering, just learning about romantic relationships and hormones are changing in the body of a teenager. Meanwhile, the media is feeding you all these ideas about what love looks like. Or maybe I should say the media is feeding us all kinds of sinful ideas of what love looks like. And we're trying to juggle all of this and figure it out. I thought, what could I possibly share in the limited time that we have on Sunday morning? You know, I thought about it, been praying about it for days. I thought, you know, sometimes the best teaching is the shortest, the shortest teaching. One of the most powerful and shortest teachings in the Bible is found in 1 Corinthians 13. Paul said, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It, does, it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. It never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but if you look at that description that's up on the screen, I don't know if you ever thought about it, but that's actually a description of the way God feels about you. And it's so important for us to experience God and to experience His heart toward us because our experiences shape who we are. You ever watch the behavior of, let's say, dogs, for example. You can always tell a dog that has been treated well by its owner. You know, a dog that's been loved on and nurtured and cared for, if it meets you as a stranger, I mean, it's wagging its tail, it comes up to you, it's so friendly, it's like, hi, hey, new person, what's your name? You know, and sometimes you're like, you gotta get away, man, you just violated my personal space, they're like a little too close. <laughs> But you know those stray dogs that you sometimes see on the road? Man, you can't even get within 20 feet of those, and they're like, they're gone. <laughs> and the difference is, what was their experience in growing up? And so it's so important for us to be able to experience God's love. The same thing is true of us. You know, we need to spend time with Him, listen to His heart, especially through verses like this, and just soak in his presence. We had that announcement earlier about face-to-face -face with Jesus, where they get together just in soaking prayer. And you'd be surprised just how the presence of God makes a difference in our demeanor, in our feeling, in our attitude. 
The Bible says we love because he first loved us. So that's one area, is be an example to all believers by our love. The second is by our faith, or how we trust God. How many of you know the name Charles Blondin? Charles Blondin. You know, if you lived in the 1800s, you would recognize that name. He was very popular in his day. He was a famous acrobat. And one of the most famous stunts that he's known for is taking a tightrope and walking across Niagara Falls. He did that many times. I mean, huge crowds would come to watch him. And uh, he would do it with all kinds of objects. He'd go across with a chair. He'd go across with a person on his back. He'd go across with a wheelbarrow. One time he came back with the wheelbarrow and asked the audience, how many of you think I can do it again? They're like, yeah, Charles, you can do it. He said, okay, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? <laughs> Dead silence. <laughs> Nobody moved. Till after a little while, there was this little girl, nine years old. She raised her hand. She said, I'll do it. And the people around her, <gasps> What, are you crazy? No, don't do that. It's interesting, you know, these were the people who had just raised their hand and said, I believe. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're young and you want to step out and trust God, sometimes it can be the people closest to us. They're like, oh, you want to do what? No, don't do it. But you know that little girl, she wasn't deterred. She got in the wheelbarrow to everyone's dismay. They went across and to their relief, they came back. And it was amazing just to watch her trust. You know, sometimes when we step out in faith, you know, family and friends can be discouraging. And a good example of that, you may know the story, King David, when he was a teenager, he showed up on a battlefield between the Israelites and the Philistines. And when he showed up, his brothers looked at him and they're like, what are you doing here? Did you come to watch the show? And you know how older brothers can be mean sometimes? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but David's brothers, they looked down on him. But you know what? He didn't let that get to him. He didn't. He pressed through. Everybody say, press through. You know, that was the title of the first message in this series. And David pressed through. He said, what, what's going on here? He said, what's everybody waiting for? Why are we not engaging the enemy? And all his brothers and everybody else are like, what are you, stupid? I mean, look at this guy. He's nine feet tall. I mean, his voice sounds like he wants to eat somebody for breakfast. And then David had an idea. Something that he used to do when he was out in the field, in the countryside, guarding the sheep. It was called target practice. And he took a bold step for God, and he said, I'll fight Goliath. And I'm amazed that King Saul said, okay, <laughs> to a 17-year-old. I mean, everybody else chickened out, but he's like, okay, let's see what you got. <laughs> and even though he was disrespected by his brothers, he chose to take a bold stand. Well, you know the rest of the story. He became a hero. He became a hero. Think about that for a moment. What would have happened if David had let his brother's attitude and feelings toward him get to him on the inside? What would have happened to him? What if he began to think, you know what? Maybe they're right. I mean, what am I doing here? Maybe I don't belong here. I'm just a 17-year-old kid. 
If David had let himself be discouraged by their attitude, by their response toward him, he would have never entered into his destiny. The title of this message is Dream Big and Push Through. And it's so crucial that you trust God and believe what God says about you, not what other people say about you, not what they think or feel about you, but what does God say about who you are. I want to come back to that story of the little girl in the wheelbarrow. When they came back to everyone's relief, she hopped out of the wheelbarrow and she said, thanks, Dad. That was fun. You know, she had been carried by him all of her life. And she, when she stepped in that wheelbarrow, that was a familiar feeling. She knew who he was and she knew what he could do. She trusted him. A great man of God, a statesman, once said, the people who know their God will be strong and take action. You know, it's one thing to say, I believe. It's another to take action. And the little girl getting in the wheelbarrow, she knew who her father was. And the people who know who their heavenly father is, the people who know not only who he is, but what he can do, will be strong and take action. So we're talking about being an example to all believers through our love and through our faith. And the third area that Paul highlights in this verse is purity. The purity of your thoughts. The purity of your words. Even your sexual purity. You know, there's a man in our church, I won't say his name, but when he encountered God, he began to read the Bible. In fact, he read the Bible through several times. And as a result of being in the Word of God and absorbing the Word of God, he changed. And his younger brother, remember we were talking about how older brothers can sometimes be mean to younger brothers? <laughs> so this is the perspective of a younger brother who knows what that's like. He said, when my older brother stopped cussing, I said, I knew this was real. And that's why I'm here today. That's what a change in character can do. And did you notice that the character change was connected to being in the Word of God and absorbing the Word of God? You know, when you fill yourself with the written Word, while at the same time seeking God to convert it into the revealed Word, then you will become the living Word and you will be a witness of His presence. Your character is your witness. You could summarize all three of these, love, faith, and purity. You could, you could summarize all three of those as your character. And you know why character is so important? Let's say you're looking for a job and you've got two choices. One job, you heard the boss is pretty smart and the job pays well, but you also heard that uh, sometimes he doesn't treat his employees very well. In fact, some of them complain that it's a little abusive. This other boss, he's just kind of a simple guy. Job doesn't pay as much, but you heard that he really cares about his people. In fact, you heard the story that one of them had to go off island for medical treatment. He kept the employee on the payroll until he got well and came back and could go back to work. Now, if you had a choice between those two jobs, which one would you choose? And why would you choose that? You know what the difference is? The difference is character. People would rather be around someone that they can trust. Character. 
When I was 20 years old, I read a book. It was called The Measure of a Man. And in this book, the author Gene Getz, he describes what real men look like according to the qualifications of leadership in the Bible. And so I read that book, it's a little paperback, about that thick, and when I was done, I was so discouraged. I really was. My heart just fell. And as I read about the qualifications of leadership in the Bible, I thought as a 20-year-old, I'm not even close to measuring up. Not at all. I was so discouraged. But you know, I discovered something over the years. As we seek the Lord, and sometimes experience the discipline of God, and let God heal us and grow our character through the different leaders and ministers that he brings across our path. Then we, and as we learn to be filled with the Spirit, God completes the work that he began in us. Now, your job is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God's job is to change you, to transform your character. You know, when I was 20 years old, I thought there's no way there's no way I can live up to these standards. I just read a whole book on the leadership qualities from the Bible. There's no way. You know what the problem was? The problem was, I thought it was up to me. I thought it was up to me. The Bible says he saved us by his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Our job is to be filled with the Spirit. His job is to wash. His job is to renew. His job is to transform. I thought it was up to me. As you learn to be filled with the Holy Spirit, He washes, regenerates, renews, and you become the person that God designed you to be. Just seek Him first. Just seek Him first. Everything else will be added to you. Don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. Instead, be an example by relying on the Holy Spirit, asking God to help you to love people, asking God to help you trust Him to demonstrate faith, asking God to help you with the purity of your thoughts, your words, your body. Generation We is about who will make disciples in Micronesia and beyond. Who will honor God and make disciples? Who will do that? Now, I don't want you to answer out loud right now, but I want you to think about that. I want you to actually think of your answer. How would you answer that question? You know, at the beginning of this message, I asked us another question. I said, what, is the, what, what do these, three, these four things have in common? Climbing Mount Everest, Braille, sailing around the world, and the Nobel Peace Prize. And so we had these four people up on the screen, Louis, 15, Louis created this system of reading for the blind, but there was a soldier who gave him an idea that got him started. Laura, she sailed around the world at 14, but I tell you, at 14, there was somebody who gave her that boat. And there were people who were watching her and supporting her and meeting her at different ports and harbors around the world as she took two years to travel all the way around the globe. Jordan Romero at 15, uh, actually at 13, he climbed Mount Everest, but he wasn't by himself. He was with a team of people. He just happened to be the youngest person on the team. 
And Malala Yousafzai, at 17, won the Nobel Peace Prize. Without taking anything away from her, that's very impressive. But you have to ask yourself, after she was attacked by the Taliban, who took care of her and who supported her? And I won't be surprised if one, of, if one or two of those people is not in the background of that photo. All of this is a way of saying to us, Generation We is how we work together to honor God and enter into our identity and our destiny. It takes all of us, young and old, to accomplish the mission of God. Amen? Let's pray. Our Father, thank you that you've not called us to live a Lone Ranger kind of life, but you've brought us into a very rich, very diverse family of all kinds of giftings and strengths, experiences, understandings of your mind and heart which run so deep beyond our imagination. And Lord, we have this treasure of being in your church. And I pray, God, that we would highly value our relationships, especially with the younger ones. Lord, may we be truly an encouragement to them and give them opportunities and open doors to become all that you want them to be. Lord, help us see them with your eyes. Lord, give us your heart. Lord, may we not see them according to the past, but according to your presence in them and your image in them and your plan for them. Lord, I pray that for all of us, whether young or old, Lord, it's never too late that we would enter into the fullness of what you intended for us from the beginning. And so, God, I pray for every person here that you would bind every principality and power, even for those listening online, and that you would allow us to enter into the freedom of what is ours in Christ. And so, God, do your work as we turn to you and abide in you and seek you. And if you would keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'd like to address maybe a, a small group here today as you're listening to me talk about a relationship with God. Perhaps that's something you've been thinking about lately. Perhaps you've been thinking, you know, it feels like something's missing, I'm not sure, but maybe it's God. And as a result, you're searching that has something to do with why you're here today. And if that describes you, but you've never made a conscious choice to ask God into your life, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that. It's real simple. It's just honoring your heart's desire and making a choice. God knows. But we also need to express that to God, which is what we call prayer. And so in a moment, I'm going to pray out loud. You can hitchhike on my words. But before we do, I'd like to know who I'm praying with. And if you would simply look up when my eyes meet yours, I'll know that we're going to pray together. And so if this is something that you would like to do, go ahead and look up at this time, and then we'll pray together in a moment. Here? Yes? 
I don't want to miss anybody. If I go too quickly, raise your hand right here. Okay, I see you there. Very good. Anybody else? Okay, great. Let's pray. God, I sense that you have been getting my attention lately. And so I'm here now and I'm making a decision. I'm choosing to open up. I want to experience you. And so I'm inviting you to come into my life. I invite your spirit into mine. And I ask you to forgive me for things I've done, things I'm not happy about, things I'm not proud about. Lord, you know. And I thank you for Jesus and what he did for me, making a way for me. And I receive him into my life and I ask you to forgive me. I also ask that you would show yourself to me and allow me to experience you and become the person that you intended for me to be. Lord, I ask that you give me a new start. Show me your way and allow me to experience life um, according to your blueprint. Allow me to become the person that you designed me to be. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's give them a hand. We prayed that prayer. Very good. I'd like to encourage you to do something. Uh, that's the most important decision you'll ever make. That determines your eternal destiny. And we'd like to help you develop your relationship with God. And doing that, we have a, something for you. It's a little booklet called One to One. And if you'll come over to this table afterwards, we'll connect with you and help you get started in your relationship with God and, um, and let you know a little bit about who we are. Sound good? All right, well, God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. Sessions as you take